Hey everyone, I'm really excited to tell you about a new way to support the podcast that costs you nothing. Almost all of you are buying art supplies online, and a whole lot of you shop at Blick.com. If you aren't shopping at Blick, well, you should be. They have everything you need at great prices, and they run tons of specials and discounts. And if you navigate to Blick using our new affiliate link, we will earn a 10% commission on your art supply purchase. For those of you who are new to affiliate links, it's just a unique link that takes you to Blick's regular website, so it looks and works the same as it always does, but using that link lets them know that we sent you. So our new affiliate link is now at www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick. And there's also a link in the description of this episode and a button in the upper left-hand corner of our website. Now, I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor right now. Pause the podcast, go to www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick, or just click the link in the description of this episode and bookmark that page. Next time you need art stuff, just use your bookmark. It's effortless, it takes 10 seconds to set up, and it will do a whole lot to benefit the podcast. Thanks, everyone. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are talking about curiosity. We are all curious as children, and many artists retain that trait and know it is vital to a dynamic art practice. Yet, curiosity can be fragile. Disappearing in the face of information overload or the desire to seem knowledgeable and in control. To be curious, to wonder, to explore, all are aspects of ourselves that keep us young with room to grow. Today we will look at how to nurture curiosity in your art practice and the importance of exploring and wondering in art and in life. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. I, you know, I'm really often struck by the curiosity of artists that I know that are friends that they just have this, um, I guess what we call lifelong learning um, attitude, you know, always um, wondering, exploring and so on. Um, There are people who read a lot, you know, ask questions, are interested in other people's work, you know, eager to hear what other people have to say. Um, And also, people that enjoy sharing what they know uh, with other people, because that's kind of a way of, of opening up a dialogue. So today we're going to talk about this, this wonderful aspect of human behavior uh, in terms of art practice. I mean, um, curiosity can really feed your work. I know that we're not all curious about everything. We, we all have our, our areas of focus, but this is, this has to do with your art practice. Um, and these people that are very curious and open, you can really see it in in their work. Um, you see that they are open to new ideas and materials, and that in these kind of explorations, they're willing to go beyond a superficial level, not just trying out a new medium, but how, how can this medium um, help me? What can it add to my work overall? Um, and even... Some of these people are very experienced professional artists. Um, you know, they, they've been around. They've been making art for years, and yet they're still um, 
reaching out to other people for information, asking questions, taking workshops. You know, they still have that um, attitude of, of needing to learn, even though many people would look at them and say, oh, well, you know, they have they know everything, they've got it together. Um, but I think this is such a great trait for people throughout life to, to keep that mindset. Um, what, what can I learn? What can I find out? Yeah, the world is changing all the time in all kinds of different ways, and we got to be reacting to it and adjusting the way that we do things. That's going to be a trait that benefits us in every aspect of our lives. Um, but uh, in particular, any kind of business that you're running, whether that's an art business or something else, you got to be able to adapt and overcome and uh, adjust to changing situations. Yeah, and arts arts like that, just like everything else. Yeah, um, you know, and and this is something I look for and admire in other artists, but. I've also met a lot of artists who don't actually seem that interested in what other people are doing. Uh, they're fully focused on their own work, but it's kind of a closed system. It's, it's to me, the equivalent of meeting a new person and all you talk about is yourself. You know, you never say, and what about you? You know, <laughs> you already know about yourself. Um, what does the other person have to say that's interesting? And there are things I think that hold people back from from curiosity, from expressing this um, uh, openness to other ideas. And I I think it can put us in a rather um, vulnerable position, can be a bit challenging, because when you're asking questions or you're basically saying, hey, this is something, you know, I don't know. I haven't tried this. I, I don't know what will happen if I do try it. Um, and and curiosity is an interesting position because it opens you up to um, disappointment up front. I mean, you're kind of wondering about something and maybe it's not going to be what you want. Maybe you're not going to find out the thing that you're hoping to find out. Um, and it's it can sort of push away anything that you're avoiding or that you're a little bit afraid of. Uh, curiosity is a, is a positive move towards risk taking i would say you know it it says the those what if questions um and and this is you know it it can be a little bit challenging to put yourself in that position but it's it really helps us uh, with innovation with changes new opportunities new associations with people if we're reaching out to other people whereas when you don't have it um you're limiting yourself. You're you're placing a narrow definition about the things that you want to know about, and so I think one of the points of this podcast is to take a look um, honestly at our own level of curiosity and are we are we holding back? Are we shutting things off that would be helpful to know? Um, and I thought I'd kind of start out by saying, uh. You know, what are the characteristics of these curious people, these lifelong learners, uh, which can be role models, really? And one of the things that comes to mind right away is that they are willing to to research things. And either because it's something kind of a need-to-know basis, I want to find out about this particular art material or this particular artist, 
or just because they love finding out stuff, you know, um, they're curious. And so either way, but they're, they're willing to do, put in some time, um, investigating, reading, uh, watching YouTube stuff. Um, and just as an aside on, on that aspect, you know, our podcast has provided uh, an enormous amount of information over what have we been doing it now? How long? I mean, we're on episode 135, I think. So, yeah. So, two and a half years, I think, is. Yeah, I think it's about two and a half. We started in the winter. Um, okay. So, but I bring this up because um, our podcast and other websites directed at artists or um, often have a search function. And this is true on the oil and wax um, site that I run about cold wax medium. It's true on this podcast. And, you know, if you're jumping into something new, a lot of times you start out by asking very basic questions, which have been covered. Um, anything that's long running will have covered somebody's blog or something. So take advantage of those search functions. And I know if you're, um, you know, when you're researching something, I know on our website, it works pretty well. You can put in something like color and and see different podcasts where that's come up. Um, so that's an aspect of researching that sometimes I don't see people taking advantage of. They um, not willing to look back into the archives, in other words. But anyway, however you however you choose to research something. Um, well, and searching is is also a skill, um, and it's it's a skill that I think my generation has has kind of grown up with um, in understanding how to use search engines and search functions on websites. Mm -hmm. um, and often you need to use a, a few different keywords because maybe the same tag wasn't used both times that a topic was covered or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and uh, you know, there's the use of uh, uh, quotation marks and things like that in search engines. Um, I'm sure there's some resources out there to help people learn how to search more effectively using search engines and, and search tools on websites. Research um, how to research, in other words. <laughs> yeah, research how to research, yeah. And there's something to that, you know, because... Um, you know, a lot of us didn't grow up knowing how to do deep research on the computer, but um, right, and it's a different skill set than going to the library and looking through indexes and understanding the the Dewey Decimal System and things like that. <laughs> how old school is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that that's one of the characteristics I see is people who are willing to put in the time to to do that um, and the patience. Sometimes it doesn't come easily. Another. Uh, characteristic is these what if questions. Um, not being afraid to try stuff. Uh, this can, you know, you can see this in a kind of an exploratory attitude in the studio, um, experimenting with different ideas, techniques, uh, materials. And I also want to say here that there's a, there's a real pleasure and energy in figuring out something on your own. So I just mentioned research. Um, but I think there's another, there's kind of the flip side of that is that as a creative person, self-discovery is, um, is exciting. And I, I would say there's a point at which, yes, it's good to know what other people have done. What, what are the, what's the background on this particular thing? Um, but when it gets down to what if questions, what will happen if, 
I think the best thing there is to be on your own and just try it, unless it seems like it's something dangerous or whatever. Um, but I often see questions online uh, in regard to cold wax medium, which is kind of my area of expertise. And people will ask things that I think, well, you know, how do we know anything except if we just try it? And, um, and you know, unless it's something that that really is uh, kind of crucial, like if I try this and I mess it up, I've lost an entire painting or something. <laughs> but there are a lot of little things like, well, what happens if I mix powdered pigment with cold wax, well, you know, try it. <laughs> it's just, um, I think a lot of people in, in positions of knowing, of, of having expertise, are very patient with a lot of questions. And we, we expect um, beginner-type questions, and that's okay. But understand that exploring and experimenting on your own is part of the pleasure. It's, it's a joy of it. And I think you deny yourself that if you ask people uh, questions that you could you could try yourself and have your own answer. Um, Pe people who are more willing to explore are, are tend to be autodidacts, um, which means self-taught learners. Mm -hmm. So the the people who are going first in in anything, um, you know, who are innovating, tend to be people who are comfortable with experimentation and mm -hmm. with um, you know, ch ch trying different things and some things not working, some things do work. Um, but I, I think that uh, oftentimes the people who are coming afterwards don't necessarily have that same mindset. And so yeah. it can it can be frustrating for people who are innovators to, to you know, not understand that, that some people, you know, want to benefit from, <laughs> from the fact that they've well, gone first. Right. And anybody who teaches, anybody who writes about their work, that's why, you know, they're offering this. That's why they're putting right. it out there. And so it's certainly, you know, an acceptable part of the process. But I guess to people who who haven't tried just experimenting, I would say there is a joy there and there is a pleasure yeah. in saying, hey, look what I figured out. Um, well, and there's so much information available in the world today. Um, I think that uh, we, we're not necessarily taught to explore on our own and mm -hmm. to figure things out for ourselves and uh yeah I'll, there's an expectation maybe that there's going to be always someone there to help and uh if you if you abandon that expectation and and go on your own a lot of times you'll find new ways of doing things that that people uh haven't discovered yet and yeah. you can develop new ideas and new techniques and Right, and I see that all the time with cold wax medium that people come up with stuff, and you know, people will bring ideas to to workshops and things that are really interesting that they've come up with. I I guess I think of curiosity as kind of a muscle. You know, you have to exercise it. You have to use it. And um, if you don't, if you shut that down, it it does become weaker. I mean, if you start to rely too much on what other people have to say, you you start to just fall into a different pattern of, well, I wonder about that. Well, I better see what, you know, the experts have to say about it before I, I try anything. Um, uh, real quick, I'd like to take a second to thank our most recent sponsor, ElizabethShowWalkerArt.com. 
Elizabeth Showalkert is an artist and maker who offers her contemporary Sumi-style brushes, cold wax, and encaustic monotype tools for sales online at her website, elizabethshowalkertart.com. Her brushes and tools are all handmade using the highest quality materials. While her brushes and tools may look beautiful, they are made to make art. She also often works with artists to develop custom tools or brushes that meet their specific needs. Please visit her site, elizabethshowalkertart.com, and use the coupon code MESSY20 to get 20% off your entire order. That's elizabethshowalkertart.com. Showalkert is spelled S-C-H-O-W-A-C-H-E-R-T. And we'll have a link in the description of this episode. And the coupon code is MESSY20 for 20% off your order. Also, she's a listener and a fan of the Messy Studio. What's not the love? Back to the show. Okay. So, yeah, back to talking about what what are the ways that these curious people operate, the people that do exercise this muscle. <laughs> um, and I think as along with investigating, experimenting, trying things, they're also looking about how to integrate that into their current practices or current knowledge. Uh, so not just amassing information um, for its own sake necessarily, although that may be part of it, but also figuring out what to do with it in a meaningful way. And by this, I mean that there's some logic or path to what they're investigating. And when they find stuff out, then taking time to to um, consider it and uh, how, how they're going to use it. And this is um, I'm saying this in opposition to the idea of just skittering around on the surface of everything, um, you know, reading one thing today, one thing tomorrow, which can satisfy that curiosity, but it also doesn't really help your work grow because you're not integrating it and you're not uh, letting it settle and kind of work in with other things. And I guess the last thing I would say is that they tend to be people with kind of fluid boundaries about what how their work is characterized. Um, so within the realm of their intentions and their direction and their personal voice and all that, they are willing to try new ideas and and kind of knowing for themselves what those ideas might be. How how will they benefit? As I mentioned just a minute ago. Um, and so, um, you know, they they are willing to ask questions, but they're also kind of um, not expecting tutorials all the time. They're, you know, they have this um, attitude of, uh, I guess, you know, being sensitive to what will help them and what is appropriate to ask um, of another person. So, um, and I will, I just want to mention a thing there too, that when you do have really technical questions about art supplies or something like that, and you, you, you know, it's kind of factual information. Um, a lot of people don't think of going to customer service of whoever made this thing. And I know companies like Gamblin have representatives that are, that are there to answer those technical questions and so that might be a first stop um, with those kind of things. And it's it's very valuable. I think it's kind of underutilized resource to just go right to the person who makes this thing and say, uh, is this 
you know, is this, are these two materials compatible or something like that? Yeah. And that's, that's another aspect of how do you research is knowing what sources are valuable, where the information exists Mm -hmm. that, that you might be looking for uh, and how to find it and who to talk to. Yeah. I think it's a good, I think it's a good sort of take a pause and think what is absolutely the best place to go for this information um, that I, that I need. And you may be surprised when you, when you consider, you know, the different ways to go about it. I think a, an initial, uh, you know, kind of knee-jerk response would be, well, ask the person who wrote the book or ask the person who made the video. That you know, and that's fine in a lot of cases. I don't want to shut that down. But is it the very best place, the most efficient way um, to to proceed? It may not be. Um, and I, I think the last thing I wanted to mention about this, these people I call the lifelong learners, the curious people, they are also curious about the work of other artists. Um, they like to read interviews with artists. They like to visit other artists' studios. They engage in um, critique with their peers. And this, um, you know, this is a... <laughs> Again, there's a there's a little bit of avoidance for this kind of thing with with a lot of artists because they kind of feel, well, this artist's work doesn't really relate to mine, or you know, it's not there's not connection. But very often, when you look into people's process rather than their specific work, you find so many connections and so many interesting ideas that are useful to yourself and are just interesting to know about um so if you have you know your artist friends um well to show interest in what they're doing their projects their series how do they think i mean sometimes how somebody thinks is the most interesting thing of all um because it points out our own limitations i mean you can find yourself going oh i wouldn't even think of that or i wouldn't I wouldn't think of approaching something that way, but here's somebody who does, and you know it's opened up a, a great idea for them. And I guess just being generous with your attention to other artists, because I don't know, as an artist, we kind of all crave that. We like somebody asking us about our work, right? <laughs> so you know, be generous, give that up to others, and it's amazing what you can come back with. Um, so. I think those are all kind of, um, I don't know, goals or things to think, do I do this? Is this a good thing to do? Uh, how do I handle when I don't know something? Do I shut that down or do I go after the information and how, do, how am I going after it? Yeah, I think when you're asking questions to another artist in particular, um, it's, a, it's a really good idea to just frame it in how do you terms rather than how do I terms. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're, if you want to know how you can do something that another artist is doing or uh, a technique that they're, that they're doing rather than saying, how do I produce this result? You say, how do you, how do you go about doing this? You ask it in terms of their artwork rather than yes. your artwork. Yes. And, and that's, that's the point of connection. Yeah. What? How did you do that? What made you think of that? People tend to be very willing to talk about themselves and their own stuff, mm-hmm. 
but if it, it it may seem burdensome if if they are if they feel like they're just helping you with your artwork and so if you make people feel good about their own artwork while they're explaining something to you yeah. then they're going to be a lot more willing to help out that's a good point i mean asking people for tutorials basically is it's a little imposing. I mean, um, you're asking them to teach you something. If it's a really good friend, that's one thing. But, um, you know, the or if they offer, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Say, I really like what you did here. How, how did you go about doing that? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think an even more interesting question is um, what – what led you to do that? Why? What were you thinking? What's your idea here? Right. Um, yeah. And getting, you know, peeling back the technical stuff a little bit to what the it, initial impulse was. And a lot of times it's it's interesting because people, when they come up with something, they have been faced with some sort of problem. That's, you know, art is a lot about problem solving. So knowing that initial kind of visual or conceptual problem that the person was trying to figure out is, is pretty interesting. And it, it opens up the conversation even more to, um, to their inner process. What are they thinking? Right. Well, and if you understand the problems that are being overcome, then it also signals to the person that you're talking to that you're not coming from square one. And that you do have an understanding of what's going on here and, uh-huh. and that you're, you have a, a, a base of, t- of technical knowledge that the person can build off of. And it's it's a lot more gratifying to have discussions that are a little bit higher level um, right. than bringing somebody from square one. I agree. I mean, it, and even if you are confused by what somebody's doing or whatever, you um, you immediately go into a, a little bit deeper level than – uh, yeah, what kind of paper was that? And, you know, right. <laughs> which are interesting questions, but the process that people go through to get to that point is, is a deeper um, entry point. So, um, you know, and, and being willing to, to be vulnerable to ask that of somebody. Uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that hold people back from, from this curiosity, this attitude. Um, and and that holding back, how that can um, you know impede your your progress. I think one of the one of the main ones is that a lot of times we have kind of limited boundaries around what we perceive as this is what I do or this is who I am, and so that shutting off um, information that at least on the surface doesn't appear to have anything to do with with who you are and what you do. But I think what we were just talking about shows that um, that connection of process can definitely feed whatever it is you do. And also to have an openness about, um, yes, I'm, I'm a painter, but what if I tried some sculpture or something like that? You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of having that, that open curiosity about um, your own boundaries, your own uh, definition of yourself um, there's sometimes too, there's this fear of, of being, of looking ignorant. I mean, tamping down your curiosity so that you seem more knowledgeable. And, and I think behind that is, uh, well, what will people think of me if I don't know something or if I fail at something or, you know, I mean, that kind of gets to some core 
fears that we have um, and just kind of being aware of when you're when you're holding back from asking a question you might think it's a dumb question or you might think somebody will look at you askance and say well you don't know that you know <laughs> um, or you think that you're imposing or holding up the discussion in some way you know particularly in in like a classroom kind of setting mm-hmm. um, you know I think that people are hesitant to ask questions because they feel like, they want to allow things to, to keep on moving. I get that. Yeah. And if you if you have that feeling, then what you're asking is probably a pretty basic question that it may not be the time and place to ask it. That gets back to that idea of, you know, taking some responsibility for your own research and um, experimenting, playing around. So, you know, like so many things, it's a balancing act. Um, but having the, the basic right. openness to, to investigating thing, I think, is good. Um, when you're talking with other artists about your work, and we've kind of been touching on that, or their work, excuse me, like looking at what they do. Um, so, you know, there's this kind of ugly little thing that exists in the art world, which is competition, right? And... Sometimes artists are very intent on dominating a conversation with another artist. They they want to be the one that has all the ideas and you know has all the info. Uh, it's a natural tendency, and you know just to kind of check that if you're if you feel like you tend to do that. Um, so I mean, we all need to focus on our own work and believe in our own work, but there's there's a give and take that's really beneficial um sometimes i think when we're in a position with another artist of of question and answer kind of things we're a little uh we hold back a little bit because we think um if i ask you to share something does that mean i have to share something <laughs> and maybe you know we've we've done um episodes in the past about the urge to keep secrets about your own work. And so opening up a sharing kind of discussion can be, can feel a little threatening. Um, and I, I guess uh, checking if you have judgmental attitudes about other people's work. And so therefore you're not going to express curiosity in it. Um, and again, finding out where they're coming from, why they did this work, where they're at is, is pretty interesting. So I guess, you know, kind of bottom line, in, information of any kind um, is wonderful, it's exciting, it's important, but it can also present a challenge because it can also present an idea that maybe there's something we need to change. Maybe this information that we're opening ourselves up to is is potentially changing our own mind about something. And as people, we often resist that. We think, well, I've got my thing. Yeah, it can be a very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, it's like, I've got my thing, and I don't really want to hear what you're saying. (laughs) Um, And, you know, none of these things that I just went through are admirable traits. (laughs) Uh, They're not things to be feeling good about necessarily, but the fact is, most of us, I think, have moments like this all the time where we're, um, we shut down our curiosity because there's something a little threatening about it. Um, so, you know, and it's all in degrees. Some people shut down all the time. Some people are generally open. Um, and I guess it's a good thing to kind of ask yourself, what, 
what is it that you are truly curious about? And start there, you know. Um, as I said at the beginning, we're, we're not all curious about everything all the time. That's impossible. But um, do you have something you're sort of avoiding input on because it, it feels a little challenging? Um, and, and yeah, what, what is it that you're, you're really truly curious about and how can you find out more about it? Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Uh, pretty much what I, what I just said. If you can take an honest look at yourself, um, if you feel you're being held back because you're shutting off some information, realize that curiosity is something that you can cultivate and you can grow and you can make that muscle stronger. And the first step is just being aware of at what points you lack it, at what points are you shutting it down, um, and realizing the advantages that openly or generally open, curious people, um, there's a lot of energy that enters their work because they, they're open to this information and they understand um, how other artists work and how they think and that they're willing to take in information and integrate it into what they're doing. This is, um, it makes their work very dynamic. So it's a huge, it's a huge advantage to have this openness. Yeah, I would, I would add that uh, I, I think that curiosity involves risk always. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people have learned to avoid risk um, and they've been punished for their curiosity in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's something where if you've gotten some negative feedback for being curious about something, which mm-hmm. we all have over time, it, yes. it makes it more difficult to overcome. And I, I think that a, a lot of us just need so, uh, some positive reinforcement um, in in order to make that step. And, and once you start to see, you know, taking a little bit of risk and seeing positive results rather than negative, um, it becomes a whole lot easier. And risk taking is something that that we need to do in order to grow our art and to grow as people. Um, and, uh, it's, it's not easy and it's, uh, it's something that is, is a struggle until you've seen some positive results from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well said. I agree with all that. Yeah. Risk, risk taking has this kind of slightly fearful attitude, uh, on its face, but, um, get past that and it's exciting. Yeah. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.